Stuff I Learned Yesterday, episode number 477, Friday Forum. Welcome to Stuff I Learned Yesterday. My name is Daryl Darnell. And today, I want to say happy 22nd wedding anniversary to our former host, Mark, and a very happy birthday to my wife, Carrie. And I believe that if you aren't learning, you aren't living. In today's episode of Stuff I Learned Yesterday, uh, we're back with another installment of the Friday Forum. Well, looks like we made it, folks. It is Friday, y'all, and I hope that you've had a fantastic week. The week has just flown by for me. I am continuing to just uh, try to shovel through all of the work that has come in since I got back from Podcast Movement. It has been just crazy busy, and uh, man, I'm I'm just been overwhelmed. It's been wonderful, and uh, I'm starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel, which is great. So I've launched some new, um, some new clients this week have launched their podcast, and they got some others that have gone through their first cycle of getting editing done with our system, and uh, anyway, it's been a really great week. It's been a lot of hard, hard work, long, long hours, even longer than normal. But it's been very rewarding at the same time. So anyway, I hope you've had a great week. And I hope you're ready for the weekend ahead. But you know what? We've got some business to take care of first. Like the fun fact of the day. On this day, August 5th, 1858, the first transatlantic telegraph cable was completed. And this comes again from our friends over at history.com. I encourage you to go check them out. They've got all kinds of things that happen on each day throughout history. And when I do these, I just pick one. I mean, obviously, there's so many more things I could have picked. But uh, anyway, uh, this, as I said, comes from history.com. After several unsuccessful attempts, the first telegraph line across the Atlantic Ocean was completed, a feat accomplished largely through the efforts of American merchant Cyrus West Field. The telegraph was first developed, of course, by Samuel F.B. Morse, an artist turned inventor who conceived of the idea of the electric telegraph in 1832. Well, in May of 1844, Morse inaugurated the world's first commercial telegraph line with the message, What Hath God Wrought? And he sent it from the U.S. Capitol to a railroad station in Baltimore. And then within a decade, more than 20,000 miles of telegraph cable crisscrossed the country. The rapid communication it made possible greatly aided the American expansion, making railroad travel safer as it provided a boost to businesses conducted across the great distances of a growing United States. And then in 1854, Cyrus West Field conceived the idea of the telegraph cable and secured a charter to lay a well-insulated line across the floor of the Atlantic Ocean. Obtaining the aid of British and American naval ships, he made four unsuccessful attempts beginning in 1857. In July of 1858, four British and American vessels, the Agamemnon, the Valorous, the Niagara, and the Gorgon, met in mid-ocean for the fifth attempt. And on July 29th, the Niagara and the Gorgon, with their load of cable, departed for Trinity Bay, Newfoundland, while the Agamemnon and the Valorous embarked for Valentia, Ireland. 
By August 5th, the cable had been successfully laid, stretching nearly 2,000 miles across the Atlantic at a depth often of more than two miles. On August 16th, President James Buchanan and Queen Victoria exchanged formal introductory and complimentary messages. Unfortunately, the cable proved weak and the current insufficient, and by the beginning of September had ceased functioning. <laughs> so it lasted like a month. Well, fortunately, Field later raised new funds and made new arrangements, and in 1866, the British ship Great Eastern succeeded in laying the first permanent telegraph line across the Atlantic Ocean. Cyrus West Field was the object of much praise on both sides of the Atlantic for his persistence in accomplishing what many thought to be an impossible undertaking. He later promoted other oceanic cables, including telegraph lines that stretched from Hawaii to Asia and Australia. Wow, that just blows my mind. Like, how, what, does, what does that look like when it's all spooled up? And how did they do that? I mean, how did they join the cables? And I don't know. I think that would be fascinating. There's probably a YouTube video out there for it. But uh, that's really, really interesting stuff. Now, of course, with satellite transmissions and all the wireless things we have, it, it seems archaic. But, I mean, back in the day, that was literally the backbone of communication. So, And I think we're still using, in fact, I know we are still using uh, under-ocean cables for data transmissions today. So, anyway, really cool stuff. All right, well, you know what else is cool? That's right. If you were thinking the people who call into the Friday Forum, you guessed right. You could be one of the cool kids by calling 304-837-2278 or head over to goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback where you can typey-typey out your email contribution. You can use the SpeakPipe widget to record your contribution. Or if you are so inclined, you can just upload a pre-recorded audio file using our file upload system. It's so easy, a caveman could do it. So uh, share your life stories, the lessons you've learned, the good, bad, the otherwise, the humorous, it doesn't matter. Just as long as it's something that will benefit others. And, well, that's a pretty broad thing to accomplish. So we'd love to have you as a part of it. And uh, maybe next week will be your week. Let's get into this week. We have two contributions for you today. We have Hannah, who has just been a rock star this season. I think this is our... I think this might be our fourth contribution from her. It's at least uh, her third because she sent three, like the last three, she sent them back to back to back all on the same day. She just had a moment of inspiration followed by a moment of inspiration followed by another moment of inspiration. And that was cool. And then Theresa sent me in one here this week. So really grateful for the contributions these ladies have made. And uh, we're going to get it off to Theresa first and then... Hannah is going to uh, bring up the anchor spot for today's episode. Hi, Daryl and everybody. This is Therissa, and this is for the Stuff I Learned Yesterday Friday Forum. It's been a long time since my last contribution. I think it was March or April of 2015, and I'm grateful to the many contributors who have brightened my Fridays since then. If you were a fringe podcast listener, you may have heard me appoint myself the official neuroscientist of the podcast. I do, in fact, hold a doctorate in neuroscience, and my pathway to it was atypical, to say the least. I've been working in the addiction and recovery profession for 30 years this month. I started as a counselor, which I did for 12 years and truly loved. 
That led me to consider what graduate degree I wanted, and I originally thought I'd go with a doctorate in clinical or counseling psychology. However, my undergrad work was in philosophy rather than psychology, so I started taking psych courses at a local university. The second course I took was called Brain and Behavior. It was an introductory behavioral neuroscience course. When I started learning about neurons and synapses and neural circuits, I was immediately hooked. Better yet, there was a ton of new research emerging on how drugs and addiction work in the brain. I ate it up, and a couple of years later, there I was, applying to doctoral programs in neuroscience all over the country. I ended up at the University of Minnesota. Things took a weird and interesting turn when I did my lab rotations. That's where you gain lab experience and try to decide what specific projects you want to work on and who you're going to work for. The most natural fit would have been behavioral neuroscience, but I became more and more fascinated by cellular and molecular work instead. The short version is, for a few years, I was a petri dishes and microscopes type of scientist. In my research, I did experiments in cultured neurons. That means that I had brain cells growing in dishes. This isn't easy to do, but fortunately, I had good teachers. I got pretty handy at it. All this prologue is to tell you about the first time I successfully cultured neurons. After a few days, they started growing out the little processes, called dendrites and axons, that our neurons use to communicate with each other. I remember looking through the microscope at the cells in the dish. First, there was a little rush of victory at having done the culture procedure right. Then, almost immediately, I felt a tremendous sense of wonder. My own nervous system, from the thinking part of my brain down to the nerves sending messages to my toes, are made of cells very much like the ones in that dish. These tiny bits of tissue, grouped together in systems of billions of cells making trillions of connections, are absolutely fundamental to who I am as a human being. For a few moments, I held very still as I looked through that microscope, and I'm still amazed every time I think about it. Here's what I learned. There, there's a lot of talk in the world suggesting that science and spirituality play for opposing teams. I couldn't disagree more. The sense of wonder that I felt when I looked at those cells was unquestionably a spiritual experience. And neuroscience has taught us a lot about what it means to be human, to be thinking, feeling beings that search for meaning and purpose. Are there scientists who have no time for spirituality or religion? Sure, but there are plenty of non-scientists in the same boat and plenty of scientists for whom spirituality and or religion are essential. The mutual exclusivity of science and spirituality is a false narrative. And since those days, I've worked harder to avoid being seduced by easy answers and false narratives. After all, if the answers were really that easy, what good would my sense of wonder be? Awesome stuff. Larissa, now I have to ask you a question. You started your story today by telling us that uh, about your pathway to neuroscience, and I'm wondering if you chose that phrasing because you're a neuroscientist or if it was just by accident that those words rolled off your tongue. But I'd like to think that that was a pun you threw in there for our enjoyment, and if it was, 
thanks because I liked it. Thought it was funny. Yeah, really cool stuff. And it, you're right. I mean, this, this these um, mutually exclusive things, and this happens in politics a lot too. And where we want to uh, put th- things in these boxes and say, if you're this, you can't be that, and if you're that, you can't be this. And uh, as a scientist, I know that you face that a lot too. Clint faced that a lot. Clint's a guy who is religious and is spiritual and is very sciencey, right? You know Clint. And so he battled with this a lot too and battled with it just in the sense that people thought that he couldn't be both. And he didn't have this a lot, but you have that, right? You have people who think that if you are a science, if you're going to be a true scientist, then there's no place for um, any type of, as you said, spiritual or even religious things. And so. Um, it's really important for us to realize that um, that life around us is complex and multi-layered, and we do all of ourselves and the world a disservice uh, when we um, just try to box things in and say, if you're this, then you can't be that. And uh, so anyway, like I said, I think politically, this is where it hit home for me right now, politically in this climate and this election that's coming up, it's, it's just in the madness that it is. Uh, it's important to remember these lessons. And so thank you. I mean, it's the way it spoke to me. Hopefully it spoke to others uh, either that way or in different ways. Uh, but anyway, thank you for sending that in. And uh, looking forward to hearing from you again really soon. All right. Hannah is up next. And here she is. Hi, I'm Hannah. And I'm calling for the Stuff I Learned Yesterday podcast. As a nanny, you learn a lot of different things as you go on the job learning. Like, It would be helpful to have an extra shirt for when the baby spits up on you. (laughs) Outside, fresh air is golden. (laughs) Eight hours minimum inside with a four-month-old is a long time. Other adults' conversation is nice. (laughs) This has spurred my push to take the opportunities that roll in. My nerves are ever so resilient, but I'm chiseling away at them. Just get out the door and do it. Take chances. I'm not getting any younger. Next week, I'm starting a nanny share with a family I currently work for. Instead of one four-month-old, I'll have two. I have three years' experience in a daycare setting, so I'm thinking the multi-kid thing shouldn't be too much harder. Knock on wood. But it'll be an adjustment, and I hope it'll be a smooth one. Two babies means two families twice the diapers, probably twice the spit up, and twice the naps, etc., etc., etc. But twice the smiles, twice the laughter, and twice the love. Well, this is a cool one, Hannah, because, uh, as you know, when I was in Chicago about a month ago, uh, you came to our meetup, and you had just gotten off previously from the nanny share thing that I don't know what it was called. Uh, it had the word share in there. <laughs> Not like Sonny and share. That's a whole different thing. <laughs> I left my own jokes. I'm sorry. Um, the nanny share. And so, yeah, so it's cool to hear in this that you're sharing. Cause I've had this for a, a while, as I mentioned at the top of the show, um, you're getting ready to do it. And then I met you a month ago and you were coming from it and you were really digging it and it was going really well. And so that's really cool. I mean, yeah, change happens and it's good to try new things. It's good to try. You know what? Here's what I took from this. The biggest thing that I took from this was look for the positive. Yeah, it's going to be twice the work and and twice the spit up and twice the poop and all that stuff. But it's twice the smiles and giggles and laughs and all those fun things and good things that come along with it too. And just taking that moment 
to think about what you have to be grateful for is so empowering. It, it, it brings brightness and light uh, to your life and helps you gain perspective and appreciation. And those are hugely powerful things. So good on you, Hannah. And uh, thanks for sharing that with us this week. And with that, the mailbag is empty. So if you have never contributed to the Friday Forum, you're invited next week, 304-837-2278 or goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback. Maybe it's been a while, like it had been with Therissa. You're invited. Maybe you're a regular contributor like Hannah. You know what? You're invited too. All of you are invited to be a part, a contributor of the Friday Forum. I hope you'll send in your contribution for next week. And that's it. We're going to come to the end of today's show. I mentioned it in my Monday episode, the Geekonomicon that's coming to Oklahoma City. We're going to be there all three days with a booth doing some podcasting, interviewing, and just doing a lot of fun stuff. So we would love to see you there. And John Noble from Fringe is going to be there. Greg Grunberg is going to be there. Uh, Sylvester McCoy from... uh, the Hobbit and from Doctor Who is going to be there. Some other great folks are going to be there too. So go check it out. Geekexpose.com. All right. Well, that's the end of the show for today. Have a great weekend. I'll be back here on Monday. And of course, I'm Daryl Darnell. And this has been Stuff I Learned Yesterday. Follow Golden Spiral Media on Twitter at GSM Podcasts and facebook.com slash golden spiral media. Join the Stuff I Learned Yesterday Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Stuff I Learned Yesterday. And if you've enjoyed this episode, I'd be grateful if you'd share Stuff I Learned Yesterday with a friend.